Hey y'all and welcome to the Friends of a Feather podcast. I am your host, Ren, and I am so glad you're joining me today. On the Friends of a Feather podcast, I pray that this is the place where you will feel encouraged by hearing God's stories from my friends that I get to share with you. Every time you download an episode of the Friends of a Feather podcast, I want for you to feel seen by God, to feel encouraged in your daily life, and be spurred on to honor Him with the gifts and talents that He has given you. Okay, so this is episode number 91. We are continuing our summer podcast series on the Enneagram. And today we are going to be talking about the Enneagram 5, which is called the Investigator, or as Michelle puts it, the Quiet Specialist. I love that. So if you're wondering a little bit more about the Enneagram, it is a typing personality system and learning about the Enneagram helps you distinguish your strengths, weaknesses, and the motivation behind them. It is so intriguing to me and has been so very helpful in all of my daily relationships. So we're going to share how you can get the inside scoop of your type and be able to use that knowledge to integrate your gifting and talents in your daily life. Michelle Dyer, my friend who is a certified behavioral specialist and trained in the Enneagram, is joining me for this nine-episode series this summer. So after we air all of the nine Enneagram personality types, I am adding one more episode in this summer podcast series called the Question and Answer episode. It's going to air August 9th, and I want to hear from you. If you have a question that you want answered by Michelle, send me a direct message, Send me an email. I would love to get your question answered. Okay, so let's get to it. This is my conversation with Michelle about the Enneagram 5. Well, welcome back to the podcast, Michelle. Good morning, Ren. It's so good to be here with you. I am so excited. We are talking about the next Enneagram number, the Enneagram 5, the investigator today. Yes. I'm excited. Um, I know I've been hearing from a lot of my listeners saying that they are enjoying this. And I'm so happy that it's helpful. And it's just really resonating with a lot of women and men, if there are any men out there. But um, thank you so much for coming back. And tell everybody, if they are just now joining in, um, a little bit about you and what you do daily. And then how you got involved with um, being trained in the Enneagram. Thanks. I will do that. It's so fun to be here and just to get to do this. So um, I am a mom of two and I'm married to John. We've been married for 22 years Mm -hmm. and I fell in love with the Enneagram a couple of years ago as a result of some of my work. I actually am a minister at my church in Brentwood, Tennessee, and we have a really unique program or ministry that helps people basically understand themselves better and learn how God has purposed them to minister to others and how he's called them to be disciples of Christ that make other disciples. And so um, I just had the privilege of being able to learn about personality more and discovered Enneagram in the course of that study. And it has just been such a great tool, I feel like, that helps people better understand themselves and others. And um, it's, it's terrific. Yeah, that's great. I think that is awesome. It's just right down 
your alley because of what you're doing at your church and then just what your Enneagram number is as the helper as a number two that um, it's just right down your alley so I think that is great thank you so much for being with us today it's exciting I love being able to use this tool to help people you know just grow and transform that's awesome Okay, well, let's uh, jump in. I know last week we kind of talked a little bit about the subtypes. Yeah. And I would love to kind of just do a quick, I know that it goes very deep. So just maybe a quick, um, a few minutes on subtypes and what that really means. And then we'll jump into the Enneagram 5, the investigator, because I can't wait to hear about that as well. Yes. So subtypes are... Oh, they're what make Enneagram even more complex than it already is. So um, what they do is they help us understand how there can be, you know, a type five, one type five who looks so much different than another type five. Okay. There are three subtypes and within each type. So within the one, there are three subtypes. And so those three subtypes are the same though within each of the types. The second one is the one-to-one, or sometimes referred to as the sexual subtype. And then the third one is the self-preservationist. And that is, each one of those basically adds a different flavor to each type. And so technically with the Enneagram, though we talk about the nine types, there really are 27 types. Wow. So Enneagram is incredibly complex. You know, if you use a different personality assessment like DISC or even Myers-Briggs, you know, if personality assessments were math, um, DISC would be addition and subtraction. Myers-Briggs might be long division. And then we've got Enneagram out here, which is like calculus, you know, Ah, okay. um, Lots of depth and complexity. And yet can really be so helpful just more on a simple level. So all kinds of great study goes into this. Okay. That's so interesting to me because I have two, I have, I'm thinking of two friends right now that are Enneagram twos and how they look very different, you know, and it's also, you know, about the, the gifts and talents that God has given each one of us and the personality within that. So I think subtypes that really makes sense. Yes, yes. And, you know, the social subtype is really about it's one with many people. So the social subtype is about I am concerned about how this impacts the large, vast group out there. Mm -hmm. I am thinking in terms of um, society. I'm thinking in terms of um, how is this going to impact the greater good? So they're kind of of the we mindset, whereas the next grouping, the one-to-one subtype, they're more about us. They're about you and me. Okay. And so you'll find that these people are fairly intense people in relationships because they're directly focused on one other person or maybe a few other important people in their lives. Okay. The third grouping then is the self-pres group, self-preservation group. And they're really focused more on me. And a lot of this comes from being focused on maintaining security and um, materially being safe. And so, you know, there are different theories and philosophies about how these subtypes are formed. 
within each type, a lot of it has to do with the nurture that we have growing up or maybe the circumstances we had growing up. And so doesn't mean that any one of those, each one of those has their positives and negatives. Mm -hmm. You know, just because you're self-preservationist doesn't mean that you're like inherently selfish person. Okay. Um, it just means that you'll be driven to initially consider how is this going to impact me before maybe looking at the greater group. You're not so concerned about fitting in, you know, where Mm -hmm. a social person is more concerned about fitting in than they are about really taking care of their personal needs. That's great. That's great. And I'm so glad you brought up the nurture, um, because I do have a listener that had asked me, and I can save this for the question and answer episode, but just that we can cover it really fast. But um, yeah. with the nurture, how much of like percentage-wise or even just uh, generally, how much of your personality, your Enneagram number as a whole is based on nurture versus that nature? Oh my goodness, that is the age-old question. Okay, okay. Um, there's a long-standing debate for many centuries about whether personality is nature or nurture, okay. whether we're born with it or whether yeah. it's formulated because of the care of our parents and those adults around us. Um, I personally, in my experience, I really think it's pretty much 50-50. Okay. Maybe 60-40 with the leaning toward being nature. You know, we're hardwired and born with a temperament and personality. Sure. But our life circumstances and our our parents or our caretakers Mm -hmm. have such a huge impact on what that looks like. So That's interesting. Yeah. A lot of it is genetics. Okay. Okay. That's what, that's kind of what I was thinking, but I, you know, I want to ask you what you thought. Mm -hmm. Okay. So those subtypes, very interesting. I think that is really great to take into account when we talk about the Enneagram. It really does drill into, you know, what makes you tick. So I encourage, you know, your listeners to maybe check out Susan Stabile. Um, she has a terrific podcast out mm-hmm. there. Yeah. She's um, co-author of The Road Back to You. Mm-hmm. And there's just a lot of really good information in her writing about um, subtypes. Also, Beatrice Chestnut is another good one. Okay. Um, her writing is not, or her theory is not based on Christian principles, mm-hmm. whereas Beatrice Chest, or excuse me, Susan Stabile's is based on Christian principles. And so I would have a leaning to have have your listeners check her out. Okay. Okay. That's great. And I will put all of that in the show notes um, at renrobbins.com slash podcast for all of my listeners. So, okay. Well, that, that's great. I'm so glad you shared that with us. Okay. Well, let's kind of shift gears and let's jump into the Enneagram 5, the investigator. Is there any other name for that? Yes, in my training, I've actually, um, they've been referred to as the quiet specialist. So I like that description um, of their temperament and just who they are. Really, um, there's just such a deep, deep need for a five to be learning to be understanding is such a big thing. They're driven by being able to perceive what's happening around them. And that means to really have full wisdom or understanding of it. So the quiet specialist, I think, also speaks to the fact that they are typically more reserved in nature. 
that that's really interesting because uh, the book I'm reading, The Road Back to You, that you just mentioned, I think the Enneagram Five is a little bit harder for me to kind of grasp. Mm-hmm. Um, and but it was interesting that they said they shoot straight, they collect knowledge, uh, they prefer to observe, um, yeah. they struggle with anything that makes them feel incompetent. Oh, that is so good. I love that description mm-hmm. because. As I said, understanding is so, so important for a five. And they'll work so hard to gain the knowledge to really um, allow them to embody or apply what they have learned. Mm-hmm. So they learn things well and they'll dig, dig, dig until they have figured it out. Mm, that's interesting. And that they are really deep thinkers. They are. Energy. And they're curious by nature. Mm, okay. Um, okay. That's good. Yeah, it was great. I listened to a podcast with Susan, Susan Stabile um, and a five. And it was so great because he asked as many questions of her <sighs> as he asked of him. And, you know, there, the, the constant great. phrase throughout was, I'm curious. I'm curious, you know. Interesting. That's so interesting because I, I cannot really relate to that. <laughs> I'm not no, very curious. <laughs> so it, it's really interesting. And I also read that they have thick boundaries. Talk to me a little bit about that. What is, what do you think about that? Yeah, well, and this is an interesting thing that is really pretty unique to the five, that they wake up each morning with a finite amount of energy. Mm. So they have to devote the majority of their uh, reserves of energy to learning because they're so driven by that okay. and understanding and uh, which means that for the most part interpersonal relationships are very very taxing for a five mm, okay so they you know expend a lot of energy interrelating and interacting with other people and a lot of times that's why we find them to be a little bit more cool or aloof in the way they come across because it just takes a ton of energy for them to relate. They are in the thinking center. So mm-hmm. I, I remember talking with you in one of our earlier episodes about the three centers. There's the thinking center, the feeling center, and the action center, or the body center. Mm-hmm. And so these, um, these folks tend to be more rational, reasonable, logical. It's all about thought. Mm. And we, t- I, I do remember that because the twos and the threes and the fours were the feelers, correct? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And so we're now entering the fives, mm-hmm. sixes, Six, mm-hmm. and Seven. sevens that are going to be the thinkers that get, the in, thinkers. get in our heads. Okay. Yes. Well, mm-hmm. I want to stop real quick because I did read something, and this is exactly what we're talking about right here, and this might help somebody understand fives or you might be saying oh that's me that's me let me read this quote from the road back to you with ian cron and suzanne stabile they did co-author this together and it talks about the fives deadly sin it Mm. says fearful that they don't have a sufficient inner resources to function in the world they detach and withdraw into the mind where they feel more at home and confident they monitor the amount of time they spend with others and hightail it back to the realm of the mind whenever possible to refuel. Yes, yes. That's exactly and what we're just talking about. A good friend of mine who is a five talks about um, whenever she's interacting with people, 
she said, it's almost like I have to retreat so that I can file away or process, um, you know, intellectually what's just happened in our interchange because she compartmentalizes everything. She's like, there is a file in my head for every um, bit of information that I take in every day. And if I don't have time to adequately analyze that and put it in the appropriate file, I feel out of control in my world. Wow. Wow. That's, you know? that's so interesting. It's just, I'm loving this so much because it's just given me, it's just opened my eyes to how everybody, not just outwardly, how people are reacting to cer- certain situations or in daily life, but what's going on internally. I think yeah. that is huge. It is. And it can be so incredibly different for each one of us, mm. you know, and we think everybody sees or experiences things through yeah. the same filter we do. Yes. In fact, it can be vastly different and still maybe look the same on the exterior. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. And I just, I'm just thinking back that when the Enneagram really caught my attention was when I read about an Enneagram One, which is my husband. It was so eye-opening for me. So that's when it really started just saying, you know, I really need to read up on this. This is really enlightening to me and helpful for me in our marriage and just how we relate and how it is totally different from what's going on internally with me and internally with him. So it's so eye-opening for me. So I love, I love it. I love this so much. So helpful. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the stretch and release because we've yeah. talked about that in every episode of how, um, what does this specific Enneagram type go to when they are stressed or also when they go for growth. Tell us about the Enneagram 5 in that way. Yes. So Enneagram 5 stretches um, over to the 7, which means that there are some things about the 7 that will both be at play when they are stressed and when they really, when they can and need to grow out of something that's really just common to them themselves in the five. So sevens for the Enneagram help them be spontaneous which is not something that a five might typically love. You know, sevens help them sort of um, have fun and look at the world through a little bit lighter lens, Um, not so intensely, you know, having to understand everything. It might help them just loosen up a little bit to tap into their seven. Okay. So the other thing about sevens, the thing that happens in that line that goes to the line of stretch is that it can also be how we behave when we're stressed out. Mm. So we'll, you'll hear the Enneagram talk about the line of disintegration. So that line can both be a line of stretch where you can go for growth or the line where you go when you are stressed out and you are really, you see your behavior disintegrating. Okay. So the five goes to the seven in disintegration, meaning that they will tend to blow things off that they don't want to think about when they're stressed out, stressed out. Okay. So, you know, they'll um, maybe minimize it or dismiss it quickly because it stresses them. So I'm just not going to do that. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So the release line is to the eight. Mm. And this is where you can go when you are stressed or when you feel like there's something I'm not contending with in my life. Um, a, A five can go to the eight for release. And understand that the eight is going to say, hey, I am 
purposeful. I can be vocal. I do have something to say. I do have power in this. I am not powerless. And so the five can really benefit from going over to that eight and understanding they don't have to be afraid um, of the world kind of closing in on them. They can impact the world instead. And really because the fives are so oftentimes incredibly intelligent um, and do have incredible reasoning capacity and ability, the world needs to hear that. And mm. they need to go to their eight and say, I am going to be vocal. Yes. I'm going to have an impact. I'm not going to hold this all to myself. Mm, that's really good. That's good. Uh, I do want to talk about a little bit too about um, just hearing you say that about fives. Um, Albert Einstein was a five. Yeah. From all that we can gather, you know, of, of him. But that makes sense. Yeah. So smart. So smart. And, you know, going to that eight, you could tell he went to the eight and said, I've yeah. got something to say. <laughs> I've got something to say, you know, right. because I think five's first inclination is to learn it and hold it and file it away. And that's good enough for them. Mm. Um, but going to that eight says, wait a second, the world needs this. You know, the world needs to hear what I've discovered and learned and rationalized. So, yeah. yeah. Another five is also Bill Gates. Yes. Which is, well, yeah, speaks for itself, right? Yes. <laughs> that information. So, thank goodness he did. That's great. Okay. Um, I, I want to tell you a funny story um, of, from this chapter that I read where I think it was Ian on um, this part of it uh, in the Road Back to You. He said, he told a story about how. Um, well, first he told a story about his friend and he was trying, they were trying to go to lunch and the friend said, no, I can't make it. But then from Ian's perspective, he was like, well, I can't because I've got to do this and then I've got to do this and I've got to do this and this. But his friend that was a five was just said, I can't make it. And he, there was not really an explanation. Yeah. So there was that. And then there was an, a, you know, shooting straight, like we talked about. They're yeah. shooting straight. This is how it is. You don't need any more you know, exactly. any more explanation. Also, he said that there was a gentleman that was a five as well. And he said they divulged some of their story, part of their story to maybe one friend and maybe another part they'll share of their life with another and maybe a little part with another, but they never tell their full story to everybody. And so he was saying that if he was in a coma or something, he woke up and he, he and if he saw all his people, would be like, what did they all tell each other? Because <laughs> that's, that's true. And that's interesting to me. Yeah. Well, here's the thing I think that helps explain that. And that is that fives being in that thinking center, they are the most reserved of the thinking center. So they don't have a great need for relationship. Mm -hmm. And so you think the reason that you divulge those stories to someone is because you want to be known. Well, yeah. they don't really need or even sometimes want to be known. Wow. So they are not, um, you know, going back to this part of the story about where he didn't um, offer any explanation. Yeah. That way it was good enough. For the friend, all the friend needed to know was that he couldn't come. Yeah. He didn't really need to know why. Because right. you don't have to, if you think about it, the reason you explain yourself to somebody is because you're working on building the relationship and the understanding of each other. Mm -hmm. Well, fives just don't necessarily need to be known. Okay. 
So that is why, though, I've heard many fives say, you know, if, if there's ever a relationship to happen, it's probably going to be because somebody went out and got me. You know, they went mm. out and they pursued me to a point where I bought in and decided, okay, this person is worth those very small reserves of relational energy that I have. Mm. And then they're hooked for life. You know, oh. very loyal, much like the six um, okay. when they buy into a relationship. That's so neat. That's so neat because I'm thinking of my friend who's a two and her husband's a five. And now I'm seeing that. And how sweet and how precious that is. Yeah, I think that it's really important for especially those of us in that feeling center who are all about relationship to understand there is genuinely a hardwiring that doesn't prioritize everything around relationship. And that is okay. That yes. is okay. Yeah, yeah. Are they uh, sometimes loners? Very much so. In fact, um, one of the subtypes of the five is um, the castle, which is the self-preservationist, okay. and meaning that that person has almost built a moat around themselves, and they have a drawbridge that they could let down, but they won't do that for very many or very often. Mm. So, yes, I think a lot of times, especially when a five is in a period of unhealth, um, they will close themselves off. They'll become isolationist, and that can be. That's really one of their blind spots. Is they may not realize how isolated they are because they're not wired to need others. Mm, so interesting. Well, I'm glad you kind of started talking about the blind spot. I, I wanted to ask, what does um, a healthy five look like in light of the gospel? When they are a healthy five and they see how the gospel transforms them, what does what do they look like? I think a healthy five realizes that they have a natural inquisitiveness that lets them ask the hard questions about the gospel that a lot of us may be thinking and haven't verbalized because we are we're being faithful, we're accepting some of the things that we may not ever know or understand. The five is willing to ask those hard questions and receive answers from God about, mm -hmm. you know, something that the rest of us are too scared to ask. And mm -hmm. we need fives to help bring logic to our faith. Mm -hmm. um, we also need fives to help us understand that uh, we don't have to accept things blindly because we can get into scripture deeply mm. and root out the answers that God is providing. You know, um, fives, like you mentioned Albert Einstein, are some of the ones who have been able to uh, rationalize science and faith mm. and help us understand those two are not mutually exclusive. They are connected and there are answers if you'll only trust God enough to ask the hard questions. Mm, that's so great. That's so great. We need fives. Yeah. And you know what I'm thinking is, do you see fives in as, as a career? Would you see fives in as like, as a theologian in a seminary? Would you see that? Absolutely. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, definitely as a theologian, as a philosopher. One mm -hmm. of my dearest friends here on staff is a five. And he is... I mean, he's he's like a brain blower. Whenever you're around him, it's like mind blown, you know, because yeah. he asks those hard, hard questions. 
and he's wrestled with them and he's wrestled with God and allowed God to show him that, you know, he really his faith journey has been trusting God with the hard questions and watching God answer them for him over and over and over and over again. And consequently, he is one of the most incredible apologists that I've ever met, a person who knows why he believes what he believes and is able to, you know, translate why the gospel answers that. Mm. So he's, you know, it's really, really a valuable thing when a five allows their faith to intersect with reasoning. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. That's incredible. Yeah. Okay. Um, I do want to ask this in light of what we've learned from the fives today. What would be their greatest need from us as as uh, in a relationship with them or uh, in a co-working relationship or a marriage relationship or a friendship? What do yeah. they, what did they, how are they loved well? What, what do mm-hmm. they need from us? Mm-hmm. I think a five can really be loved well when we understand that they do need that processing time. And we need to be considerate of the fact that they have limited um, relational energy and that anytime they expend that energy on that, boy, we need to know we are loved. And so really appreciating the places where fives will expend that on us is really, really valuable and letting verbalizing that to them. Thank you so much for spending time talking to me about how I'm feeling today. That was huge. And I really appreciate that you did that. Um, Also understanding that they don't jump quickly between relationship and thinking or feeling and thinking. Um, So, you know, if a five is watching a documentary and their son or daughter comes in and interrupts that time, that's going to, it's going to take a little bit of processing for them to jump back and forth between what is this person need for me versus what I was just learning on this documentary, you know? Oh, I see. And so acknowledging that they just need some time to, to move back and forth between thinking and feeling. Mm. Um, also, I think it's really helpful to know that a five, one of the, it's not that they are without feelings for sure, because it's, they're, they're, everybody has feelings, but it's that maybe one of the most difficult feelings for a five is when their logic or their reasoning is criticized. And mm. so, you know, they're hurt because you don't understand what they're thinking you know, mm-hmm. so it's a complex thing, especially, and maybe I speak at that with a little bit of convolutedness because I'm such a strong feeler, but I've really tried, yeah. tried yeah. to understand how important the thinking aspect can be for a five and a six and a seven. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, I like in the book, The Road Back to You, um, it says 10 paths to transformation for fives. So at the end of each chapter, it has that. And the one um, that kind of similar to what we're saying, it said, when something occurs that seems to elicit emotions in other people, uh, this is like a suggestion of what they could do. Try to feel with them in the moment rather than saving those feelings to process later. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I mean, they feel those, but they don't feel them as deeply or they need to process them later. They don't, you know, process them right then. They so I need that to was go a, away and think about their feelings. Right, yeah. right. So that was an interesting thing. Yeah, gifted 
thing about the five is that they, of all the types, they are really the only ones who can truly remain neutral about mm. things and not have to factor in a feeling with each thought. That's neat. So, that's incredible. I, I don't know what yeah. that's like. I love that. Me either. <laughs> you know? Completely. <laughs> that's great. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. This is great. This is so good. Every time it gets better and better. I, I could talk to you all day, but I know that you are a busy woman and you have things at your church to do. Um, but thank you so much for coming on and talking about the Enneagram 5 and the subtypes. And it's just, it's been awesome. Well, I am thankful beyond words at this having this opportunity because I think the Enneagram is such a helpful tool. And I, I hope and pray this will be something that is beneficial for one of your listeners out there. So thanks Absolutely. for it. Well, and I want to also, can we tell them the news about your new <laughs> venture? I know, I don't know if I'm speaking out of turn, but I hope we can share it with them. Tell um, us what's coming next from Michelle Dyer. I'm excited. I'd love to announce, um, this is the very first time I've made this public, but we are launching a new site called anyamom.com. And it's all about how the Enneagram really does pertain to our parenting styles. So um, while the Enneagram is pertinent to our children at some age, you know, really around the age of 10, we can start to see these real strong patterns emerge. I think as moms, it is so, so helpful to know what is my type as it pertains to my parenting and how does that impact my kids? How does it impact my marriage? So we're launching this site, anyamom.com, which will focus on that. And so if your listeners want to go out and check out the site, all we have right now up is the landing page where they can enter their email address. I'm working on um, a free resource that I'm going to be sending out to anybody who's on that mailing list. And it will really pertain to, I think I'm, well, I'll let you in on a Ooh, secret. I've just come up with the title for it. I think it's going to be um, any parenting, um, the powers, perils and pitfalls of being a mom. Yes, this is excellent. I am so excited about this. This is a <laughs> much needed resource that I know my listeners and I are going to partake of and to get involved with. And I love that it's so focused on the parenting aspect because I feel like the Enneagram can help in this aspect of things. So I am thrilled. I have already gone to your site, enneamom.com. That's E-N-N-E-A-M-O-M.com. And I've already gone there and I've put my email address in. I am just so thrilled for you with this venture that you're doing. I'm excited. Well, thank you for your support and your encouragement has meant so much to me. And you really were the catalyst for all of this. Mm. And um, just seeing your expertise with the podcast, we'll be doing a lot of vlogs and uh, with other moms to kind of help, you know, help you feel like you're not alone. I think there's yeah. such a such a power in solidarity and understanding that there are other moms out there struggling with the same thing I am and just being able to put a language and a practice to that, I think will hopefully be very helpful. So thanks for giving me a, a venue and a platform to announce that. Absolutely. So excited. I love juicy news. <laughs> I love it. So I'm going to have all that 
at wrenrobbins.com slash podcast. When we um, air this, uh, I'm going to have all of that, the link to NEMom.com and all of your information because I know you also do one-on-one coaching. And so I'm going to have all your information there and to connect with you on, on Facebook, on Instagram, on uh, LinkedIn, so everybody can get in touch with you. Great. Uh, I appreciate it so much, Ren. Yeah. Okay. So... Enneagram six is next week. And I have to tell you, I'm terrified. You know why? Because it's me. And so I'm a little nervous because everybody's going to know um, what makes me tick. And it's a little vulnerable and I'm kind of scared, but it's going to be great. And I hope I, I can't wait. I cannot wait to talk to you about this. So y'all come back next week for the Enneagram six on the loyalist. But thanks so much again, Michelle, for giving me time today to talk about the fives. Just awesome we need fives in our lives and i'm excited that i learned really good things about fives that i didn't know so thanks so good thank you okay that's gonna do it for this episode thank you for tuning in would love for you to go to renrobbins.com slash podcast on all of the show notes from this episode and for any resources that michelle suggested I would love to connect with you over on Facebook or on Instagram at Friends of a Feather Podcast. I really love Insta Stories, so I'd love to meet you over there. And remember, we're all friends of a feather, so let's stick together. Take time to encourage someone in your life, and I'll see you next time. Bye, friends.